Welcome to Inside the Economy from Sharky Howes and Javer. I'm Larry Howes. Thanks for joining me. Price of gasoline is going up. Should be noticeable to everyone. Price of oil is going up. Well, okay. I'll remind you that between 2014 and 2016, price of oil dropped 70%. Some of that is due to lack of demand. Some of that is due to great increase in oil production in the U.S. Fracking oil shale. It's very different from traditional explorations because you can shut these wells off and back on again pretty much at will. It adds a big dynamic to those of us who have gone through energy shocks in the past and seen people's spending stop because gasoline goes up and they quit buying cars and they quit going to vacations and they worry about what they're going to spend at the pump. That's called uh, energy-induced recession. Half the modern recessions have been energy-induced. It's not going to happen this time. It's probably not going to happen again. We'll just talk about that later. So don't worry about the price of gasoline going up. OPEC and the producers of oil shale production are pretty much targeting $60 a barrel for West Texas Intermediate. They'll get it there early 2018. Any other economic data? There's nothing exciting going on. Uh, unemployment is still 4.1. GDP numbers came in at 3.3 for the third quarter. Pretty robust. Fourth quarter might be as well. Very likely the Federal Reserve is going to raise sometime in the next couple weeks. And uh, it's already priced in the market. It would only be bad news if they didn't raise rates. That's where we are now. Consumers, the whole ball game, considering we're walking into the holiday season, are spending fairly well. If you look at this chart, you notice people are out buying toys. They're buying recreational toys. They're buying recreation services, restaurants, non-durables, that means tennis shoes. And the one area where they're not spending money, interestingly enough, energy and gasoline. Demand is down. Prices have been down a little bit. This will probably equalize by the first quarter of 2018, but it's never going to be as dramatic as it has been for some of us who have gone through some of those energy-induced recessions. U.S. oil production is a huge deal. Those of us who were around in the 70s and 80s and cognizant of what was going on in the economy noticed that U.S. oil production was in a long, multi-decade slide. Well, that's changed and it turned around in a big hurry. That's some of the technological improvements in imaging and fracking and a number of things. That has brought uh, the availability of all of these old fields and wells to be economical again. That's going to help a great deal. It's not going to force changes in price. It's not going to force panics. It's not going to force recessions because you can turn those wells on and off at a moment's notice. And uh, we'll, we'll get to Canada here in a minute. S&P 500 and domestic profits. Somebody asked me, well, what really are the profits of these companies? Well, if you're a non-financial company, there's about $1.3 trillion in the third quarter. For the banks, for the financial companies, they're pretty steady, but it's still about $500 billion in the quarter. They make money. They're profitable. They're productive. The orientation of some of these companies, whether they sell internationally or just domestically, 
means less and less all the time. Most of the S&P 500, most large American corporations, are about 50-50, international business versus domestic. And here's how they've been growing. As Europe and the rest of the world is, is picking up and cheering up, there's more and more business there. But domestically, it's still pretty profitable. It's going to be a very interesting 2018, as I don't see these profits going away. I think the market valuations are going to stay where they are. But we'll talk about that some more uh, next time when we make some predictions on 2018. The United States is a fairly diversified exporter and importer. It's certainly not all from China or anywhere else. And we export stuff all around the world, much more so than a lot of countries. The U.S. consumer is generally the primary customer for most people. Uh, that's okay. The U.S. consumer likes to buy things. Our biggest, probably most important trading partner, Canada, we are far and away their biggest customer. We are the noisy neighbor downstairs, and we buy 76% of everything they make. I don't think that's going to change. That's probably going to get more. A lot of that is energy, some of it's airplanes, some of it's timber. That's just the nature of their economy at this point. There have been other economies, and I bring this up specifically, that uh, really don't have a lot of diversity in what they produce and what they can offer to the global economy. And I'm talking specifically Australia, New Zealand, and now the UK. They buy homes. They buy property. They buy stuff internally and sell it to one another as their industry. Unfortunately, over the course of time, especially in Australia, the housing market is four times the national GDP. The same with New Zealand and it is becoming a bigger number in the UK. Canada is also creeping up there. Even though they still produce a lot and offer a lot to the global economy, or just the US, but it's becoming more and more of a cottage industry just to buy property there. In the US, the housing market and the commercial real estate market is a tiny piece of GDP. It is certainly far enough away that it's not a significant factor. The reason for that is there are other places to invest. There are companies to invest in, bonds to buy, other opportunities. Well, that's good news for the U.S. Unfortunately, that also brings the debt side of things into focus. Switzerland has always had the most household debt of anyone on earth. They continue to. It's just part of their process. Australia is now number two in household debt, followed by Canada, New Zealand, South Korea and the UK. A lot of that is just buying and selling their own stuff in their own little environment. You generate household debt. Now the US doesn't have nearly as much debt as a lot of these countries. We have federal debt, government debt. It's not household. It has an impact on how you invest, where you invest. The uh, investing side of things, we've had some great numbers in 2017 year to date. Argentina is probably the best performing market out there. It's not a market we're interested in buying in because there are times when it's impossible to get out of it. And I'll say that for a lot of the markets on Earth. India, where you can't invest directly in China. Most of the emerging markets where some of you are seeing in your portfolio, we've gone in there knowing full well that we need to be out of there before everybody else wants out. We call that not being the last guy out the door. Emerging markets are plays and you go in for a little while and then you've got to be gone. 
Credit Suisse does a wealth report every year, and this is nothing unusual other than you look at where all the money is and the increase in wealth in 2017. Well, the United States added a little over $8 trillion to total wealth. Some of that in the stock market, not all of it. Some of it was property, some of it was new companies. Uh, China is a distant number two, and the big losers of wealth, as usual, Japan. Last year, the number one loser of property and wealth was Egypt, as people were fleeing as fast as they can. They're still in the negative number. They will never recover. The wealth that you see, especially in the United States and in the developed countries, a lot of it is in the stock market. It's about 90 trillion in the various equity markets. Most of that is in the United States, not just the S&P 500, but in a lot of companies. Germany, UK, Japan have significant stock markets. Everybody else are pretty much tiny. A lot of this is US money. The nature of this report from Credit Suisse is wealth, not income. And if you'll notice, the bright orange Australia, Europe, Scandinavia, U.S. and Canada obviously is where the wealth is. If you just put the United States by itself, they have as much wealth as the rest of the world combined. It's just the nature of where people want to invest their money. Everybody else, China, Russia, all of Africa, all of South America, actually anything south of the Rio Grande, uh, we don't have much money there, if any at all. They're not attractive markets. They're easy to go into if you come in with money. It can be very difficult to get out. We're not interested. On a side note, uh, speaking of investing, the Denver bonds, which are coming to the market pretty soon, are going to be extremely attractive. Denver is a, two, a true AAA rating. Very, very rare in the municipal bond market. It, that issue is going to be probably on the market for about 10 minutes. Some large or too large institutions, somebody like Vanguard or Fidelity, going to take the whole issue. People aren't going to be standing there waiting to buy it. It's just not going to be available. It's a good place to put money. And on another note, don't spend a lot of time theorizing about what the tax bill that the Senate passed Saturday is going to look like. You have no way of knowing. It hasn't even gone into the committee yet to narrow down some of the issues. But if there is a reduction in corporate income taxes, it's simply going to make everybody in the S&P 500 more profitable, make their margins better. It's going to keep their stock prices high and certainly make 2018 maybe as good a year as 2017 was. We'll know more later. Uh, thanks for joining me and I'll see you next time.